Well, Dominic, tis the season, my friend. That's As right. we are here for the very first episode in December of 2021. Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. We're here on a on a lovely Wednesday to give you guys another edition of the Reddit Roundtable. Yes. Dominic, it's been a while. We've had about a week, a little over a week off, I guess, of doing episodes. So uh, how are you feeling? How are the holidays treating you to you and your family? Oh, damn, no. It feels so good to be back in the studio with you today. I'm so excited to get... Well, I guess we're not getting too much on a regular schedule, but anyways, it's the holiday season. It's going to be a lot of good episodes coming up this month before the new year. Uh, I had a great week off. We got had some time to you know rejuvenate. We were hitting it hard for 10 straight weeks worth of fights, so mm-hmm. it was nice to just have some time, be with the family. Still had some uh, things going on at work with school. Um, so yeah, things are starting to dwindle down, man. It's crazy. We're already in the month of December. Um, and yeah, uh, my co-host had a lovely 24th birthday on Thanksgiving as well. No. So how was your time home with the family? How was Thanksgiving and how was the big two, four birthday? It's always nice to be able to go home and see some family for a little bit. Um, had a good time. 24th birthday. Let's be honest, people. Once you hit 21, there's not really much of a, there wasn't really any celebrating of the birthday. It's just, uh, it's just the reality, you know, yeah. once you hit 21, you know, you don't get too excited about those birthdays anymore, but you know, another year older, 24 years old, another year um, wiser. Yeah. So they say, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it feels good. I feel like 24 is going to be my year. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know Dominic was going to love hearing that. He loves that. He loves that, uh, motivational crap. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, a lot of exciting stuff going on, wrapping up my time as an undergrad. So I'm about to graduate college at the young age of 24 years old. <laughs> um, and I'm be about to move over to a different state here soon. So a lot going on. Didn't really have time to focus on the birthday. But uh, that's right. If anything, it was still a, just nice to be home. But it feels even nicer to be here with you today, Dominic. I feel so warm and cozy today, Noah. And, you know, and you know, I, in order to kind of get people, I want people to kind of ease into this episode because we might have some people. We've had a lot of some new subscribers, a lot of new followers, yeah, over the last few weeks. So, for some people, this is going to be their first ever Reddit roundtable. It is. So before, <laughs> uh, nice. So before. <laughs> We just jump right into it. I want to, you know, ease the audience in. So I'm going to ask you a question right now that's not even included in today's Reddit roundtable. That's just going to be about Christmas music. Oh. Now, since it is December, we have kind of hit the, we are past Thanksgiving. And I would say the majority of people socially accept the fact that once Thanksgiving's over, it is socially accepted among everybody that Christmas music, Yes. Christmas decorations, they can all start coming out. Christmas movies yes. start playing, you know, 25 days of Christmas on free form. The lights be, go up. Yeah, yeah, all that. But, Dominic, how do you feel about Christmas music before Thanksgiving? You know, there were some people that were starting to play the music, starting to put up the tree, the decorations right after Halloween. Yeah. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? 
Ah, my golden rule, Noah, is that I cannot allow any Christmas music or lights in the household or on the radio until Black Friday, so the day after Thanksgiving. But believe it or not, no, I broke my own rule this year. I actually saw lights on Wednesday, so the day before Thanksgiving, I technically broke my rules, my traditions, but hey, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. But it was, you know, but now is the season. Let's give me all the music. Give me all the cookies, the lights, the the snow. Well, not too much snow. I don't want a lot of snow, but, you know, just a little trinkle here and there. But, uh, yes, I, I agree that the day after Thanksgiving is when we just let loose with the festivities. You know, um, I'm curious what some of your, like, I guess, traditions are. I know you and your family are very big on kind of those yearly traditions. You guys tend to you know, during Halloween season, you guys are going to haunted houses and stuff like that. You go see lights as a family. Not really something that my group does. So I'm curious, uh, is, is those kind of the only traditions? Is there anything else? Is there any movies that have to be watched every year as a, as a family for you guys? Yeah, there's a couple traditions throughout the month of December. Uh, one being actually that Every December 19th, or give or take a day or two, we always go as a family to see uh, lights for my sister's diabetes uh, anniversary when yeah. she was diagnosed on that day. So we always take her to see lights there, do something together as a family. And in terms of a movie, I mean, this is probably a lot of households. I'll be curious to let us know in the comments. But on Christmas Day, we got 24 hours of the Christmas story. And that's always on. That's on from sunrise to sunset in this household. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely the two biggest that I can think of in terms of the, the holiday season traditions. What about you? Yeah, there's nothing really specifically that uh, my family does. I will say my mom has always been big uh, on putting up the Christmas tree as a family. Mm. That's her thing. She 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 is she is obsessed with it. And yeah. she actually she she's always been someone that puts up the tree. Typically, she would do it around. I think probably the night of Thanksgiving, like after every all the families left, because we always, my mom always hosts Thanksgiving with her side of the family. Once they've all left, then the tree comes out. You know, I'm full of shit, and it's like, <laughs> all right, time to hang up a tree, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But um, me and my sister grew up hating it. We hated it. <laughs> um, you know, my mom is quite. Uh, how do I word this? She's quite specific in how she wants her tree to be put up. Uh, ornaments need to be put in certain places. There needs to be a certain amount of space between each ornament. She is quite, uh, she's like a, you know, you ever see the shows on HGTV? She could have a holiday season show <laughs> about putting up Christmas trees. She is I like that. quite the expert in how to put up a tree. Me and my sister, we are not. So that was like the one tradition that we really had growing up. Actually, this year was the first year my mom hung up her tree before I came home. So uh, oh. she hung up she hung up two trees this year, actually. So we um, have two trees. Yeah, yeah. So that's the first year for that. She she did a the she has a really big one, like a 10 foot tall tree in yeah. the living room. And that one, the theme of that is uh I think uh snowmen. So like all the snowmen ornaments are on that one. And then if you go towards the I guess the dining room, there's a smaller tree. That's got a bunch of Santa Claus stuff mm, on it. So okay. She did like a theme thing this year, which I thought was kind of interesting. But uh, that's always been kind of the one tradition. Now, I I have a lot of fond memories of going with my grandparents to see lights through. And if we didn't go to like a 
like you typically go to like a play, like a light show or something, mm-hmm. or like a drive-through kind. Yeah, of. that's what I mean. Like, a, yeah, one of those. Uh, my grandparents, she, they would drive us like just through the neighborhoods, like the rich oh, neighborhoods. Yeah, like, yeah. We would see the lights that way. I always, I had a lot of memories of that. I like that. Um, yeah, that was always fun when I was a lot younger. Um, I can't say I've seen like lights in that capacity now. I'm not opposed to it. I mean, come on, it's they're neat, right? Know? But uh, movie wise, I'm a big. Obviously, you know, I've talked about it a few times. What a big movie fan I am. A um, lot of movie watching. I love getting into the holiday spirit by watching those 25 Days of Christmas. Yeah, like freeform. Um, some of the classics. You know, Christmas Story is a classic. Don't get me wrong, but. It's kind of funny how that's the movie that gets picked to be the 24 hour right movie and like it's not close to my favorite Christmas movie. You know, I'm I'm Home Alone guy, I'm oh. uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes, love Christmas Vacation. Um god, now I can't even think of all the Christmas movies. I mean, there's a lot of good ones. The Santa Claus is a fun one. Yeah. Um, there I mean, a Christmas story is great. The Grinch yeah, you know, I'm actually we grew up with Jim Carrey's The Grinch, and a lot of people don't like it. Oh, I freaking love it <laughs> because it's kind of, I mean, compared to like the source material, the, yeah. the, the original cartoon, maybe not the most, uh, I don't know what you would call it, um, the most accurate portrayal. Yeah. That original cartoon is 30 minutes, people. Like, come on. Yeah. So, Jim Carrey's The Grinch is a fun one, I enjoy it um yeah there's a lot of good christmas movies but uh i don't know that was a nice little <laughs> took oh, up yeah. some time there but uh that for those of you that don't that that, that right there is what the reddit roundtable is supposed to be <laughs> yes it's a chance for <clears throat> me and dom we scour the web looking on reddit hence the name but also twitter instagram youtube comment section we look for the the community's questions what are mm-hmm. you the mma fans wanting to know and this is the source this is where you go to get the answers to those questions that's right so one of the we have, a, we have a list of about 10 questions here we do this on every episode and um most of these will be mma related but we have a couple curveballs in there just to spice things up a little bit uh typically that's the case on most uh, of these episodes but we try to keep it mma as much as we can and with that being said, Dominic, do you have any any words of wisdom before we get started? No, you already know what I'm about to say. Let's get right into it. Question number one, Dominic. This is, this question involves someone who your family hold near and dear to their heart, <laughs> especially now. <laughs> yeah, Kayla Harrison, who Dominic did not have a chance to meet, but I want to talk about it. <laughs> his his little sister and your your mom got the chance yeah. to meet her, correct? Yeah, and she, she she did get an autograph. Yes. So uh, you got an autograph, right? Yes. Yeah. So Dominic and Kayla Harrison are like best friends now. I mean, Kayla Harrison's about to replace me. <laughs> on this podcast i think yeah but, uh, we all know we've talked about kayla harrison basically a neighbor grew up mm-hmm. about five minutes from our hometown and uh she's kind of on top of the world right now she's mm-hmm. got back-to-back pfl championships and her belt a couple million dollars to the bank and now she's looking at for the next big thing yep is she going to remain in the pfl and are they going to maybe even commit even more to kind of building something around her, whether it's a featherweight division or whatever, 
Or is she going to go to a promotion like Bellator or the UFC and get a fight with one of the top pound-for-pound women in the world, Chris Cyborg, Amanda Nunes, among others? So the question's kind of being brought up, Dominic. Based on what we've seen from Kayla Harrison thus far, should we believe that she is among the top five best female fighters in the world? I think it's hard not to say yes. You know what I mean? I know that her level of competition in the PFL is nowhere near what we see in the UFC, what we see in Bellator. But at the end of the day, she's just saying yes to whoever gets put in front of her. She's winning these tournament formats. You know, she won four fights in a year. Not a lot of people fight that often, let alone win that often in one year. So she's definitely a top five, you know, and it's pretty simple, right? You have Amanda Nunes. You've got Valentina Shevchenko. You've got Rose Namajunas. You've got Chris Cyborg. And you've got Kayla Harrison. I mean, that's the top five best female fighters in the world to me, in my opinion. Uh, And, of course, they're all the champions at their own respective divisions. But, yeah, you know, I I am looking forward to seeing her get tested, Kayla, that is, if she leaves the PFL, goes to Bellator, goes to the UFC. Um, But she, she has shown just improvements in her game. And I know that she always goes back to her bread and butter, her grappling, which why wouldn't you? She's a two-time Olympic champion, judo practitioner. Um, but, you know, when she is on the feet, she's at least not like she's causing issues to her opponents, but she looks comfortable, more comfortable as the fights go on mm. and able to at least get her opponents to the ground. But she doesn't have to hurry and rush into it anymore. She can kind of kind of take her time. So as we continue seeing this evolution of her skill set, along with racking up wins, it's hard not to say she's top five in the world. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on that as well. I think it's hard to say that she is top five in the world based on what we've seen. And here's why. I love Kayla Harrison. I no doubt am all on board with her getting one of those big fights, trying to prove that she is one of the best. But I've been also one of those people that said I am not opposed to seeing her fight someone who's not right for Cyborg or Amanda Nunes as her debut. Yeah. Because the level of competition she's fought this far is so below that that it's a lot to ask of someone to jump that high up. No matter how naturally talented she is, mm-hmm. she, and, you know, I'm sure in her training, you know, she's training partners, or I guess she is teammates, I should say, with Amanda Nunes and people like that. And so she's getting good rounds with some of the best in the world. But yeah, I, I the reason why I've been wanting her to maybe take a fight with if she goes to Bellator like a Kat Zingano or mm-hmm. in the UFC, you know, she could fight like an Aspen Lad or someone like that is because I'm just not 100% sure that she should be thrown to the wolves like that immediately. Yeah. Is she a top 10 women's fighter in the world? I'll give you that one. But, I mean, to put her in front of people like Holly Holm, Jermaine Durandamy, Jessica Andrade, Zhang mm-hmm. Lee, yeah, even Carla Esparza, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, that's a yeah. lot to assume about someone right now. And while I no doubt think that she's probably in front of some of those – she just needs time to prove it. Like it's all right. about kind of what you've done. I, I can project. I can't. I'm not big on like. It, it's all about how you perceive this question. I guess. I mean, for me, I'm looking at it like <clears throat> if I was making a pound for pound women's MMA rankings, would I put her in front of some of those names? And I couldn't. Mm-hmm. As great as she's been, you know, it's no doubt that the women of the UFC are fighting at a higher caliber higher competition than the women of the PFL. So based on the resume, she's like borderline 10, nine, eight, somewhere in there mm-hmm. with no doubt the upside to be the best. Yeah, the for world. sure. For sure. 
Number two. Huh. So this is something I saw. I saw a little discussion on Twitter about, um, and, and this is on the, the topic of what I'm going to call nostalgic content. So what is nostalgic content? Well, it's, you know, we, we've dabbled in it a little bit here ourselves. We did a couple classic pay-per-view reviews. Um, really just any content that focuses on the past. So um, the, the question here is essentially about nostalgic MMA content versus nostalgic WWE content. Mm-hmm. And the reason why there's that distinction made is Nostalgic WWE content is like a gold mine on on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. I have actually I, I watch a lot of it myself, even though I don't even watch wrestling anymore. I always love watching uh, channels like Wrestling with Regret. Um, there's some others before that, but that's really all I follow at this point. Um, and they post a lot of like classic pay per view reviews, basically for wrestling shows, and I love watching it because that's the era that I really consume the product. Yeah. But nostalgic MMA content is very hard to come by um, on YouTube. And it's true. really, when you do see it, it doesn't tend to do that well. Um, there's even uh, I, one of the leading, I guess, voices in this discussion on Twitter was um, someone who has their own podcast. I believe it's called uh, Behind the Hexagon or Inside the Hexagon. It's a podcast dedicated to strike force the, the, the hmm. going so he does a lot of interviews with some of the bigger names of strike force going maybe through their resume or he'll focus on a single card you know for strike force and break down the fights on there a lot of r- really cool podcasts you know I've, I've listened to quite a bit of it so the question dominic nostalgic mma content does not get near the kind of response that nostalgic wwe content does but why is that it, it- to me, when I think about it, it's got to be that entertainment factor, right? It's that that storyline factor. In the WWE, there were the characters, essentially, playing these roles, and then they would intertwine with other characters. It would build rivalries. It would build storylines that would go days, weeks, months, even a full year. It would take, you would build up, and then at WrestleMania, the, the match occurs, or at the Royal Rumble, the return happens of you know this fighter. Uh, so it's got to be that for me, whereas MMA is just... It's the real life fight game, right? It's it's these guys that are gonna fight two, three, four times a year, and they don't really. Yes, you get like your buildups to pay per views with the countdowns and whatnot, but there's not that that nostalgic piece, I guess, that really tugs at your your heart and gets you like fully indulged. Obviously, we're indulged in all things of MMA because we love it and we do a podcast and stuff, but it, it you, we still don't feel the way we did about the old school WWE days. And I'm sure there's still kids that view the WWE as we did when we were young uh, in today's generation. So it, it is that factor to me of that entertainment piece, the storylines, the characters, and you could just attach yourself to so many different things uh, and really week in and week out you could watch these stories take place. Whereas if you have like a fighter, they're only going to fight. If you have a favorite fighter, I should say they're only going to be on the screen. What two, three times a year. But if you're watching WWE and you love Jeff Hardy, like me and Noah, or you love triple H, the rock, so on and so forth, you'd see him two times a week for 50 weeks out of the year. So I think that's where it comes down to why it just still is so prominent today. Before we started recording, I told Noah, I was on Peacock uh, last night because they have a huge WWE 
catalog now, and I was watching the best of The Rock, and it's showing some of his best moments, some of his best matches. So uh, just little things like that and remembering where I was at the time, what did I think then versus how I view it now as an adult. And uh, that's why it kind of takes the cake for me over the MMA content from the past. You know what? I think that's a good answer, and I think there's even more to it. It's uh, you, and the, A lot of this is – you're right. It's almost like the way you were kind of describing it. It's almost kind of inevitable because WWE, like, it's just so much different because you can kind of – you build up mm-hmm. the people you want to build up, and, um, you know, you, it's easier to create stars in a promotion where it's scripted than yeah. it's all reality, you know – mono mono right right so you know you've seen these careers like the undertaker just retired last year the guy had been wrestling for 30 years crazy and at the end you know he didn't look like the big bad undertaker anymore. Mm-hmm. He was a bit more older he had more years on his belt but when he would come back and he would wrestle a guy like aj styles or someone who's like very fit very in shape, very built, and he would beat their ass because he's the Undertaker. That's what yeah. he does. It's that yeah. character aspect. But I actually think there's an aspect to this of um, let's compare to UFC versus WWE. You know, have you ever noticed that Dana White, and this is the really his job as a fight promoter, he always focuses on the the present. Mm-hmm. You know, Kamaru Usman after his win against Colby Covington last month was being crowned by Dana as the best welterweight of all time. Yeah. Because, but people got upset about that, but you have to understand from Dana's perspective, there's no reason for him to say otherwise. Right. There is no value for him to say that George St. Pierre or Matt Hughes or whoever is the best welterweight of all time, because they aren't making the company money anymore. Yep, that's true. So you have these guys like Kamaru Usman who are on this great run, and of course he should back that champion. Mm -hmm. That's the guy that he's promoting, he's building up right now. In the WWE, what's what's always been interesting, if you go and watch, they do a great job with their um, nostalgic content. But if you ask someone who's really into wrestling, I bet they would tell you that the, like WWE specifically, they're almost too much into the nostalgic content <laughs> to where yeah. they struggle to build up guys now. Yeah. So it's almost like the reverse effect. It's like MMA struggles to really have any sort of remembrance of the past and right. that kind of nostalgic feeling. But WWE almost struggles to focus on the present. Mm-hmm. You know, I I because I have Peacock, I'll see ad placements for upcoming um WWE cards and they'll have a headlining spot for Goldberg. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why is Goldberg still wrestling? That guy's almost 60 years old. Yeah. You know, Brock Lesnar's still hanging around. You know, you got these these guys, the Undertaker will still come back for a one-off here and there. Like it's just but they're doing this and they're they're having him beat these guys that are very old or mm-hmm. older, I should say beating you know these young up-and-comers if you want to call them that in mma that doesn't happen you know right anderson silva gets put up against uriah hall if it was wwe anderson silva probably wins right but instead real life uriah hall wins because he's the younger better fighter yeah at this point so 
that's really the root of the issue is that one gets to kind of pick and choose how they want people to be perceived. I mean, there is an aspect of like the fans have to get behind someone, but I'm just saying your career, you could be the best wrestler in the world because someone decided you were. Yeah. Yeah. MMA doesn't work that way. It's true. So it's, uh, I, 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 I personally love nostalgic MMA content when I see it. I do really enjoy looking back on some of those old pay-per-views. You know, I've really been digging into Pride recently. I plan on going over to Strike Force after that, WEC. I do have a – I'm a nostalgic person. That's just mm-hmm. kind of how I roll. And a lot of that comes from when I grew up, WWE. They, If you watch WrestleManias, the, the beginning, the hype package at the beginning, it's always like, Hulk Hogan slamming Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3. Mm. Dominic, me and you never watched WrestleMania 3. Nope. That was 1987. But we remember that moment because you see it time and time again. Yep. Even some of our fondest wrestling memories, I can tell you probably we didn't even see live. We don't realize That's true. It. Like the Attitude Era, we were like three years old. Yeah. Era was yeah. You know, that's what we remember fondly. We weren't even there. Yeah, we were just running around in our diapers and it was on the TV, (laughs) but we weren't like present in the moment, you know? So it was like later we kind of would go back and watch it. And then we almost like, we became so invested in that time period. Mm -hmm. We almost convinced ourselves that we were there. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's both sides are doing great things, but on the reverse, like they probably should focus a little more on the other side. Especially like WWE should focus on its present day stars. Yeah, like UFC probably should focus a little bit more on its nostalgic content. You know, it's like we're to, looking for the middle ground here. Yeah, you know, I think there's some great um, Fight Pass has that show I really like. Uh, Fight Lore. Yes, Fight Lore I think is a great show that they kind of have just. I mean, it's still putting out good episodes, but like. God, I love like the Joe Riggs and Nick Diaz hospital mm-hmm. fight. That's awesome. Yeah. Just these weird stories. You know, the Bruce Buffer story where it's like him and Michael Buffer didn't know each other for basically 20 plus years. And then they find out they're brothers. And now they're yeah. kind of two of the biggest, um, what would you call them? Um, Personalities. Ring, ring, announcers, yeah. ring announcers in the world. Um, all these stories are great. I wish the UFC would do more stuff like that. Yeah. I agree. Number three. So this question's a little bit relevant because we just came off of a weekend with no MMA. So Dominic, the question is when there's no MMA, what are you spending your weekend doing? Saturday nights. Oh, good. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not trying to cut you off. It's just, you know, people only know us from this podcast. They see that we watch every Saturday. We're watching UFC. Sometimes we're watching friday's bellator or Mm -hmm. lfa or whatever what are we doing when there's no mma to watch yeah man i mean that is a good question because every saturday night essentially or at least what uh 40 out of 52 saturdays of the year (laughs) i'm i'm sitting in you know the basement for six seven hours straight watching fights taking notes working on articles working on stuff for the show um so when the weeks are or the weekends are off it's just um a little weird it's odd sometimes i don't know what to do with myself but you know i'm i'm a gamer at heart so sometimes i'll dabble in some video games funny enough though 
I don't know if I should say this on air, but I'm going to. The new Call of Duty's been out for almost a month now, Noah, and I've not touched it one time. Wow. So, uh, but I would say, you know, video games typically working on schoolwork right now is a big thing as I'm, you know, edging the last three classes of my grad school program, spending time with friends and family. I mean, kind of the same things I would do in a normal weekend, except without fights. So I'm adding six more hours of <laughs> the other things to it, you know, but uh, it is nice after 10 straight weeks to have a small break. I mean, we're, we want to see fights as much as possible. We've talked about it on a Reddit roundtable before. But I got to say, it was nice just, especially being that it was on Thanksgiving week, just being with the family, spending time with them, being present in the moment. And uh, now we're right back into it this week. But yeah, I mean, nothing too out of the ordinary, just hanging out. If something comes up, I'll, I'll dabble and do that. But nothing too crazy, if I'm being honest. Yeah, when I think of Strictly like last weekend, I mean, obviously holidays kind of yeah straight that. But I mean, I just... I'm not like what's so funny is I think uh, people might get this idea that, you know, because we have an MMA podcast, that's just the only sport, our only hobby, our only interest. And that's really not true. Weirdly, though, I I didn't realize this when I until very recently. Uh, There's a large percentage of fans of MMA that don't watch other sports. Yeah. Like a very high percentage. Yeah. Me, I watch all, all sports. <laughs> yeah. I was watching college football all mm-hmm. Saturday and, I mean, even Friday, uh, NFL for Thanksgiving and obviously mm-hmm. on Sundays. Um, you know, even when I'm watching the UFC fights, typically I have another TV or my laptop streaming college football. Yeah. And whenever football's not in session, I'm still I'm a basketball fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a baseball fan. It's harder to get into those as much because there's just yeah, so many especially more games. now. But typically, I will try to keep up with like the Cincinnati Reds in baseball and in basketball. I'll try to watch probably more college basketball. College oh, sports yeah. are kind of more my yeah my jam. But um, yeah, I focus. I just watch a. I'm a big sports watcher. I mean, to be honest, and mm-hmm. um. You know, I like to have a few beers while I do it too. So if I can have friends or if I can be with friends and I don't know if you want to call it a party, but you know, like, a, you know, we'll just be basically drinking a few beers, shooting the shit. I get together, like, you know, and I'll be like, Hey, can I put on the fights while we're yeah. doing this? You yeah. Know? So that's kind of the way I've watched it a lot. Um, I mean, maybe, I don't know if I should say this, but the fun fact of, <clears throat> Last year, especially when me and Dominic were still doing our episodes in person and audio, um, most of the cards at that time I was watching after they had aired. Mm-hmm. I was just, I didn't feel, I didn't have the time to watch them when they were on. So I'd watch them the morning before we recorded. It's just, mm-hmm. that's the way it goes sometimes. It's hard to to be able to have every Saturday night open. Yeah. It's just, yeah. That's a hard thing to do when you're our age. And, and if you're like me, I'm still in my undergrad at college. But uh, obviously that's changing here soon. So, I mean, it's – I besides that, though, like I don't have anything else that I really hobby-wise. Like I'm not like a big fisherman or mm-hmm. hunter or anything like that. I just kind of – it's like watching sports, man. Yeah. And I would say golf, but I usually do that during the week. So, yeah. The weekends, I mean – it's nothing crazy, if I'm being honest. 
Number four. This is a fun uh, one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Dominic, you, that's right, you, Dominic, have been chosen as one of the individuals to vote for the inaugural class of the newly established MMA Hall of Fame. Who are your five votes going towards? I put five just to cap it off. but And now, Dominic, we, we can try to set some more parameters if you want, or I could just let you run with it. You know, I think in the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, I believe you have to be out of the league for five years to be eligible. Cool. So, like, you could try to throw that caveat on top where, like, you kind of have to be out of the sport. You can't be competing professionally at the time when you get put in the Hall of Fame. Um, I'll leave that up to you, though, as you make your five votes. There's so many names rattling in my head right now. Should we now. do this together? Should we work through this together? I mean, there's one obvious one, right? Yeah. Boyce Gracie is an obvious one. Of vote, course. Right? Yeah. Right. One for one. Yeah. So do you go Ronda Rousey is my question. You know, that was one I was thinking. Oh, I think you have to. I think you do. Yeah. The, I mean, the first just MMA. Yeah. Pioneer, man. Yeah. You know? So we need to focus on here. This is an MMA Hall of Fame. Right. Not just UFC. So like, does Fedor get a vote or are we putting that caveat of, you know, He's, he's still, still active. He's still active. If you go, people, excuse me, as I burp into the, the microphone. <laughs> so you do those two. Um, I mean, I think you could even maybe do Ken Shamrock. I mean, there's, let's see, who who else do we have in there? That When I first immediately read the question, two names came to my head. Okay. Chuck and Tito. You went with UFC and that, guys. The, well, yes, <laughs> yes. But like the dark day, days of, yes, the UFC, but essentially the dark days of MMA in general at that point in time still, you know, in a way. I so I, I think Kazushi Sakuraba should be one. Um, I know that, I, I don't know how much you've watched of like Old Pride, but he was like a an absolute legend yeah. to Japanese MMA. And unfortunately, it was almost to his, almost at a point where those promoters were basically setting this guy up to get fucking murdered. I mean, yeah. he was being put in these terrible mismatches. The refs were letting the fight go because it's like, oh, they want him to win so bad. Um, but Kazushi Sakuraba has got to be one for me. I mean, I'm just talking. We, it doesn't have to be five, but, you know, just some names. I mean, Chuck and Tito are great ones, I would say. Um I mean, George St. Pierre at this point has probably been out of the sport long enough that. Mirko Krokop. Krokop's a pretty good one. Uh, I was going to say Boss Rutten. Boss Rutten, yeah. Um, Kevin Randleman passed away. That that could have a. He just got inducted into the UFC one this year. Um, Mark Coleman. Mark Coleman, the godfather of ground and pound. So if I had to pick five names, you know, obviously I could probably change if I thought about it longer. I'm going Boyce Gracie, Ronda Rousey, Kazushi Sakuraba, <clears throat> George St. Pierre. And I'm going to go Boss Rutten as number five. All right. Yeah, I'll be slightly more on the casual side then, I guess, of this conversation. But I will go Hoist Gracie, Ronda Rousey for sure. 
<clears throat> GSP was one I was going to do. And then, yeah, I think I will do Chuck and Tito, not only because of the special place they do hold in my heart, and that's what got me into MMA, but just how they essentially backpack the entire sport, and especially the UFC during those dark days. And I'd be curious, I'd be curious to see, always wonder, like, where would the sport be now without those two guys in that rivalry? So. Yeah, it's hard to say because we, in America, for sure. In America, for sure, yeah. You know, what's so funny is like while the UFC was in its dark days, Pride was like killing it over yeah. there in Japan. Yeah. I mean, they had they still to this day a Pride show has the highest attendance for an MMA event. Yeah. Like the true. UFC doesn't even hold that record. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. I mean, they were just doing stadium shows <clears throat> every week, basically, was what Pride was doing. I mean, I think their record's like 90,000 or something, and the UFC's hit 56 or 57. Something like that. I think that was uh, Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya. Yeah. Just kind of wild when, you know, obviously we're Americans, so, like, because of that, we kind of tend to focus more on that side of things because that's what affect would affect us more. Yeah. That's more of – we were exposed – to the UFC before anything else. Yeah. You know, especially you, you've watched UFC was really, you didn't even know there was really anything else for a long no. time. <laughs> no. So it's so weird how that cultural limitations can kind of hold us back from seeing the full picture. Cause yeah. Pride was like killing it in Japan, but you wouldn't have known it if you were a UFC fan in nope. America in 2002, you know? Yeah. It's so true, man. You know, there's there's a lot of good names that could probably be thrown in there, and there's probably some that were missing. I mean, Ken Shamrock could be a good one. Yeah, Frank Shamrock. If you're going full MMA, I mean, that's the guy who did a lot for the sport. Uh, I mean, hell, Nick Diaz could be up there. I mean, yeah. Honestly, I mean, Vanderlei Silva ran through Pride. Vanderlei Silva, time. Rampage Jackson should probably be up there. It's uh, Shogun Hua, Hua yep. for Pride and for the UFC. Yeah, there's a lot of – I mean, Anderson Silva will be up there soon. I mean, he would be an obvious pick yeah. if he hadn't just fought. Yeah, I mean, you could really just throw out a million names. And I, I wouldn't – I'd be interested to see how uh, in all – you know, when you have like a first – once that happens, I'm assuming at some point in time there will be an MMA. Well, yeah, we're starting it, remember? <laughs> yeah. Whenever that MMA Hall of Fame comes around, I'm curious how they will go about the inaugural class. Yeah. Is the majority of voters going to vote for like, are they going to go more off of like the timeline? Like, who are the pioneers, like mm-hmm. the earliest pioneers? Or are they going to just go off of kind of who's right now five people that have made the biggest impact and have been out of the sport for long enough? A few years. You know? Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see. Give us your list in the comments. Yeah, yeah, really. I don't envy that job. Yeah, I don't. But I I would also love to have a part in that. So uh, right. But typically, it's writers. So maybe you could you could get in there. Yeah. And maybe I could just like whisper my votes to you. you Yeah, I'll give my little tidbit at the bottom. Honorable (laughs) mention from Noah Baker. (laughs) But uh, moving on to number five. Speaking of movies, there's been a lot of good ones, not a lot of good MMA <laughs> movies. Yeah, we 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 have been limited to "Here Comes the Boom" with uh, Kevin James, which decent movie, I would say. Shout out to the Barely Critical Movie Review Podcast, of course. 
But uh, besides that, we just had uh, Halle Berry just had her movie come out on Netflix. Yeah, I need to watch which, that. Yeah, we probably should have watched that <laughs> this question. But you know what? I've seen it's anyway. I'll, I'm gonna watch I'll episode watch it. for a different day. Yeah, yeah. But um, never back down was one from a long time ago that a lot of people. It's kind of like a Karate Kid ripoff that mm-hmm. you know got some buzz back then. So not a ton of MMA movies, but combat sports in general, if you open it up to boxing, you have a ton of boxing movies. Yeah. And then combat sports in general opens it up for karate, for, I mean, kickboxing's got some out there. There are some really good ones if you open it up to all martial arts. So, Dominic, what is the best combat sports movie of all time? Uh, no, I'm not even going to debate it. I'm not going to argue it. It's Rocky Four, and I'm not here for any other answers, baby. <laughs> the greatest Rocky movie and the greatest combat sports movie that I've ever seen. Uh, absolutely loved it. That whole storyline with, you know, obviously Apollo Creed dies at the beginning due to the hands of Drago. Rocky's there in his corner. <clears throat> he dies in his arms. He looks up at Drago. Ooh, I get chills thinking about that eye contact. And then they go on to have their fight. It's in Russia. Rocky's training, running through the snow in the mountains. The soundtrack to that movie is the vibes, immaculate 80s vibes. I love everything about it. The America versus Russia, you know, coming out of that Cold War era. You know, it's just, it was such a cool movie, such a blockbuster hit. Sylvester Stallone, a legend. Um, I forget, who actually played Drago? Do you know that guy's actual name? Okay, so, uh, you know, an amazing actor in his own right, and they just looked so so good when they were doing the fighting sequences, and then Rocky wins and avenges Apollo Creed's death, and oh my gosh, I love that movie so much. I love Dolph Lundgren, but you can't, you just called that man a great actor. <laughs> Look, hey, hey Rocky Four is awesome. If he dies, he dies. You picked a great movie, but... You picked probably the third best Rocky movie, so that's interesting. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Rocky Three is my personal favorite of the Rocky movies. Uh, Mr. T, yeah, Clever Lang, yeah. Uh, he he actually is the reason that Mickey dies. So that adds to the added, uh, I guess, the added motivation for one Rocky Balboa. What I love about Rocky Three is that Rocky is like at this point like this big superstar. Mm-hmm. He's like. You know, this world champion, he kind of gets a little bit into his own head. You know, it's that that quote. I forget which boxer said it where it's like it's hard to God, now I can't remember the quote. Something basically about once you hit a certain point where you're like waking up in, in silk sheets, yeah. it's hard to have that same motivation. Yep. That you did when you were like broke, up and comer, hungry. So Rocky has that kind of storyline in Rocky Three where he's gotten he's gotten a little bit you know wussed he's been wussed up a little bit because he's he's rich and you know he's not the same guy not the same motivation clubber lane comes in there played by mr t he's like i pity the fool and (laughs) i was waiting on it beats him for the title and uh it's rocky having to kind of dig dig deep into his roots you know he's got he's got to find himself and uh yeah there's a great scene in there with um that's the movie where uh, that's kind of when him and um, why am I forgetting um, his buddy's name who died in Rocky Four? Oh, Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed. 
Thank you. I don't know why it was blanking there. Him and Apollo Creed had the scene where they're running on the, the beach. Mm-hmm. I mean, great stuff. Great vibes all around. Yeah, Rocky yeah. But uh, my favorite combat sports movie of all time. Oh, my gosh. I put this question on here, and I didn't. <laughs> boxing has a lot of good ones. I mean, Rocky movies, Cinderella Man's an underrated ro- boxing movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Creed, I mean, Creed, fantastic. Southpaw, I love Southpaw. Southpaw's pretty good. Yeah. Fun fact: you know that was originally supposed to be instead of Jake Gyllenhaal, it was supposed to be Eminem. That was really the star of that movie. I did not know that. Yeah, I followed that movie's production for a long time because I was a big Eminem fan, and at the time, and yeah, I love like, Jake Gyllenhaal, man. Yeah, no, he's I. Hey, Eminem, you're cool, but like, yeah. don't think you could have done what Jake Gyllenhaal did there, right? Um, I would say my favorite is, have you ever heard of Bloodsport? Yes. Yeah. So fun fact about me, probably one of my favorite actors. I love like the nineties, like action movies, kind of popcorn, just turn your brain off. Yeah. The Arnold Schwarzenegger era. Yeah. Um, Sylvester Stallone era of action movies. Just. Big beefy dudes with big beefy guns yeah. shooting bad guys. Like you don't even have to really think about it. You just yeah. watch it. So I grew up watching a lot of these movies. Yes, that's right. As a child, I was watching a lot of these movies. My parents are awesome. But um my favorite actor, because my mom was like in love with them, so she always had his movies on. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yep. yep. Who, funny enough, my mom always told me was the brother of Rob Van Dam, <laughs> which it took me a long time to figure out that wasn't even true because they look alike. Yeah. Whatever. You were all about it when you heard that. My I'm mom sure. legitimately thought that was true. Oh, she did. I thought yeah. she was just telling you that. So no, you would she like thought it. it was true. Okay. But anyway, Jean-Claude Van Damme's like my favorite of that kind of nineties action yeah. guy. So even though he's for most people, they would put him below Stallone and, Schwarzenegger, that's my dude. Yeah. And when I saw Bloodsport for the first time, I fell in love with it. It tells the true story of Frank Ducks, who was this guy that supposedly went, uh, I forget what country it is, I don't know if it's Taiwan or something like that, and and fought in the secret underground Kumite, where uh, it was all these styles and, you know, basically one night tournament. Yeah. And, uh, he he wins. Funny enough, though, the real story of Frank Ducks is uh, kind of bullshit. <laughs> you know, he could get away with telling that story in the '80s, but uh, the more that's come out about it, it's uh, it turns out the guy is kind of a liar. Yeah, so the story is kind of all fabricated, but it's a great movie. It's a hell of a movie. But um, I love when you take me on your little like history lessons because you teach well, the- me so many things. <laughs> My favorite tidbit about Frank Ducks is that uh, he he said how I forget he he told people how many because you know it was a tournament yeah so he said how many rounds he had to win in order to get to the final mm-hmm. but the amount of rounds it would have like if you did it as a bracket it took that many rounds to get to the final it would have required more participants in this tournament than there were citizens in the entire United States. Oh, wow. So. Okay. 
we see what's going on here. Is he? <laughs> is he just? Is he? Is he just? You know? Is he misunderstood? I don't know. You decide. But Jean Claude Van Damme kills it. The movie's awesome. I love. My it. dad loves him. Yeah. By the way, yeah, that's who Play. showed me Bloodsport for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. He also has a movie Kickboxer that's really good too. Yeah. Yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme's the fucking goat. Honorable mention to the original Karate Kid. By the way, you know what's. So I I have a hot take about Karate oh. Kid because so I saw the new Karate Kid with Jaden Smith yes yeah. and I know Jaden Smith people are like oh god that movie is great it is I good. actually I do go like as it. far to say I like it more Ooh. than the original and I'm not saying I'm sure the original like the original is probably a better movie but. Part of it's because I watched it first. I yeah. saw it in theaters when I was like 11 or something. But I love Jackie Chan playing yeah. the Miyagi role. And I love that it takes place in, I can't remember if it's Japan or China or whatever. Yeah, they move there, I think. Yeah, I love that that that's like the the setting. Yeah, he's trying you know, to fit just, in. It, yeah, it yeah. feels like you become, even though technically... The martial arts, not karate in the new one. It's Kung Fu, um, yeah. which is kind of a dumb thing that they still call it the Karate Kid. It's the Kung Fu Kid, whatever. <laughs> but, Kung um, Fu Panda? Does that count in this category? <laughs> it does. I would. But uh, I still love the movie. Yeah, um, The original's great, but the Karate Kid, the remake, is actually probably high up there for me. I love that movie. I do like that movie. That's a good movie. Yeah. So number six, Dominic. Mm-hmm. Conor McGregor. Ah, there he is. <laughs> a name that we don't talk about enough, right? You're right. I'm sure our audience is just loving that we talk about Conor McGregor. They're like, man, there's one thing we haven't heard enough of. It's that damn Irishman. He finds ways to stay relevant. <laughs> <laughs> and much of our this question is because we've discussed pretty much every option for Conor McGregor as they've, yeah. come, they've presented themselves. You know, it seems like every week, you know, Max Holloway or Michael Chandler, you know, Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson, someone is saying that they should be the next fight for Conor McGregor. Yeah. So after weighing all these options and discussing them on this podcast, right here, right now, you are put, Dominic, into the shoes of one Dana White and Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby. You are yes. the whole show. Three in shoes. that matchmaking meeting, you get to decide who you, as the UFC, put Conor McGregor up against in his return bout. Let's say July time frame. Who do you put him up against, and why? Noah, we have to do the trilogy with Nate Diaz, man. We 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 still have to capitalize on this while it's still relevant, because eventually it's going to become irrelevant. As much as it's crazy to say that, because it's Nate Diaz, it's Conor McGregor. But that's just the fact of the matter, because the sport in the UFC is going to continue moving and chugging along like the train that it is. So let's get Conor McGregor. He's coming off of a skid. He's coming off of an injury. Nate Diaz, still a huge star, but on a skid, right? He's lost a few in a row now. They're one apiece. We need the trilogy to be settled. There's still beef there. They talk about on Twitter at least once a week. It's basically a date at this point that we see. Um, so, yeah, that's the fight that has to happen. I still think that at, at both points of their careers, I think it's a competitive bout, uh, regardless of, like, the age difference. And even Connor coming off the injury, I still believe he can win that fight. And I do believe Nate Diaz 
can beat Connor, especially the Connor we've seen of late. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I'm not one to just catapult Connor back in with title contenders, even guys like Michael Chandler. While I love that fight, I think I even said it during the voice message we got from Tyler. I would love to see it, but not first for Connor. And I said this after Connor lost to Dustin in January. I think I said it when he broke his leg and lost in July. And here I am on December 1st saying it as well. We got to get the trilogy with Nate Diaz, man. Let's settle the score. They'll both get a huge pay-per-view to put under their belt to uh, add on to their records. That's the fight to make for me, man. Yeah, no doubt that would be the biggest fight you could probably put for him at this point. I mean, that fight's still huge. It's still shocking that they never put it together. I know. I mean, it's just it's crazy. But if I'm being honest, I'm actually going to go with a different option, and mostly because I want to give two More different some answers. Yeah. But if I'm really thinking about it, even though I would probably be the most excited about him versus Nate, in all honesty, mm-hmm. I think people, just because Connor, I know he lost cleanly to Dustin, the first of the or the first of these two bouts they had in 2021, he lost very clearly. He got finished. Second fight, I know he broke his leg, but I mean he was losing the fight up to that point. Whatever. I I think he's being a bit overlooked or counted out as like a mm-hmm. as a threat. And I don't think that's really fair. I mean I do think that Conor McGregor is still a contender in the lightweight division. So while I agree with you. I'm not going to put him against Michael Chandler, even though I just said Conor McGregor is still, in my eyes, probably a contender. But coming off a terrible injury like that, yeah, and back-to-back losses, you got to work your way back up. Mm-hmm. You know? And I would rather, I guess, long term, if I'm in the UFC shoes, I want to put him in a lightweight fight because ultimately, if he wins one or two uh, two bouts, he's probably right back in title. Contention yeah. Again. So I'm going to put him against a fight that should have happened or a fight that was bu- booked to happen a long time ago. Him versus Rafael Dos Anjos. I-, I love that fight. You know, Dos Anjos is a great fighter still. You know, he's one of Dana White's probably favorite guys in the sense of a guy that really he's a good he's a good test for anybody. He really shows you what you have in that moment. If you can beat RDA, you can probably compete for a title. If you can't, you probably can't. That's just the reality of the situation. And I think a fight with him and RDA, uh, Connor, that is, and RDA is a great fight. There's a built-in story that they Mm -hmm. were supposed to fight at UFC 196. That is where RDA had to pull out like two weeks before. Nate Diaz gets the call, and that's why him and Nate Diaz had (laughs) those two bouts. Um, So I think that's like a great fight for him to come back to because RDA is like, not quite a contender, but he's like kind of right there. Yeah. And he's also not the finisher of like a Michael Chandler. This is what I kind of worry about. Connor is going to, there's going to be some ring rust or some getting, because I'm a believer in ring rust. I mean, yeah. But when he first steps back in there, you know, he's coming off a terrible injury, back to back losses. He wants some time to kind of, you know, get, get, you know, get the feeling back in of being of in the octagon. So, you go up against Michael Chandler, that dude's going to come out like a man on fire oh, yeah. and try to take your head off right away. Oh, yeah. While RDA, you get more of that. RDA, I'm sure, will bring the fight. And I, I'm not saying that Connor's going to win that fight. 
but RDA will at least kind of he's not quite the finisher or the explosiveness uh, as a fighter to I don't I don't think get Connor out of there in round one. Yeah. You know, you'll probably have a bit of a slower fight to start. Connor will probably be more to one judging kind of the the pace and then it'll pick up as it goes. Yeah. I think it's a great fight, does good business for the UFC. If Connor loses though, I mean what else is there for him? Can I pose a question based upon that matchmaking? Because this thought just rolled through my head as I'm sitting there. Yep. Because <clears throat> Conor McGregor is a main eventer, right? I mean, that's what he is ever since. Yep. I don't even remember how many it's been in a row now. But it's like, is he ever going to get to the point again where you can't justify him as like a main? Like, if he came back and were to fight RDA, is that a pay-per-view main event? Like, realistically, do you think they would do that because it's still Connor? And, like, if so, if it is, do you think we ever see the point where Connor's still in the UFC but not a five-round main eventer? Like, we see Connor in a three-round fight. I just want to get your thoughts. So, I, I do think him and RDA is enough to be a main event. If they did it yeah. with him and Cowboy Cerrone, you could probably do it yeah, with yeah. him and RDA. But, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> That's an interesting. That is an interesting question. I think if he were to lose to like an RDA, I mean, you still have the Nate one, which they would do a main event, obviously. But like, you know, truthfully, I think Connor will no longer fight in the UFC if it gets to that point. If it gets to that point, yeah, that's probably the UFC ask him to be. You know, that guy's ego is not going to let him. It, he wouldn't even it wouldn't even allow allow him to take a replacement fighting spot. Yeah, he wouldn't be a replacement fighter. He said, "I'm not a replacement fighter." Yeah, like okay, I mean, so obviously the guy the guy's ego is going to kind of prevent him from doing anything like that. I would say. I mean, as much as he, I know he's passionate and loves the sport, but I would honestly, if it got to that point, I think he probably maybe tries to pivot into like a some sort of boxing career. Like, you know, there was an interesting theory that maybe him and him versus Nate three doesn't end up happening in MMA, but it ends up happening in boxing. Cause I don't know how many fights Connor has on his contract, but you know, Nate has one. Yeah. And uh, it would be kind of interesting if those two had a boxing match as their fight. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's what do you think? Do you think that like, is him and RDA a main event? (laughs) Part of me is like, no, but at the same time, like you do have the built-in story. It's still Connor at the end of the day. RDA is not like a star, obviously, but he is a former champion. He's been there and done that with a lot of great guys. Yeah, I, I, It would probably turn into a We well, have to think of the storyline of Connor's comeback fight. Yes, know, of course. Uh, right now we look at it and we're like, uh, but you got to think of how much the promotion is yeah. going to ramp up by them. It's they would tie like, in some of the old stuff. Remember how we weren't. weren't all that hot on him versus Dustin three. Yeah. And then once they started building it, it's like, we're like, ah, fuck it. (laughs) Here, take my money. Right. So, uh, but I do agree. Like if we ever to work, like if he were to lose that, then he fights Nate. And if he were to lose that, it's like, okay, we can't keep putting him in main events because people are just going to not really justify him being an elite guy no more. And he probably just doesn't fight at that point because he ain't going to be on a fight night. I'll tell you that much. And I doubt he's going to do, a five round featured bout like Leon and Nate did. So he's got to be on the marquee. And I just think that, you know, 
and it's not like to his detriment. It is to his detriment, and it's not because he's made the bag. He's the biggest star that MMA's ever seen. But it is weird if you were to if you start losing, it's like, oh, what do I do? Do I keep fighting and not be a main eventer, or you know? But yeah, I agree with you there for the most part. Number seven. So this is following up on a discussion we had about Justin Gaethje and Islam Makachev. Yeah, that's right. I went back to saying Makachev. I don't know. I don't know which way is the right way. Is it Islam Makachev? Is it Islam Mahashev? I don't know. Or some middle ground. <laughs> yeah, I might say they're both wrong. Yeah. That's, that's great. But we, we were talking about who of the two was more, you know, deserving of a title shot. And I thought this was a interesting way to kind of delve more into this with without it being directly about Gaethje and Islam. It's just yeah. In general, Dominic, how much does the method of victory matter when evaluating a resume for a title shot? I think Leon Edwards is a great person that we can talk about here too because he's a guy that's been – basically we've had a lot of these talks about guys right on the cusp of title shots and are they deserving of it. And a lot of times the win streak is what's used to to back that up, but, you know – you know, Dominic, you're the guy, you're one of those guys, you get real excited when we're breaking down a fight and one of the guys has a 100% finishing rate. Mm-hmm. So is there like, is is the win really all that matters or is the, 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 the method of victory hold a big percentage of the, of the evaluation for a title fight? Well, I like that you bring up the method of victory because at first the debate was like win streak versus strength of schedule. But now you're bringing in another piece. So it's like three pieces. How are you winning? Who's Who are you beating? And are you on a win streak, right? And you can have this perfect mix of all three. It would be ideal, obviously. I mean, Gaethje kind of did that during his run to the uh, interim title because he won four in a row against ranked people, and he finished all four of them. So Gaethje did at one time check all those boxes. Is I would Mancha. say Francis Ngannou did Francis that. Francis Ngannou has done the same thing. Uh, and then you look at Islam Makachev, who he has finished a few, but he doesn't have the greatest strength of schedule, but he's got nine wins in a row. So it's like, you know, they have – everyone has been there. Carla Esparza, she's won five in a row. Most of them were – now she has a good strength of schedule, but most of them were like decisions, a couple split decisions. But then you see what she does to Yan Xiaonan, who was looked at as a future champion or at least title contender, and she absolutely smashed her and destroyed her. So, you know, it's interesting how we kind of break down these. And specifically to your question, the, the method victory, I think it does hold some weight for sure. I mean, let's look at Leon Edwards, right? He's on this 10 fight. Well, hold on, let me, sorry, not to cut you off. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought it was interesting what you were doing right there. You were kind of looking you were almost treating it like a third of the of the puzzle piece here like mm-hmm. a, or a third of the puzzle yeah you have strength to schedule win yep. streak method of victory so are you saying that you think it holds equal weight to those other two i wouldn't say equal but i think it's something that can really push you a front in front of others so okay. let's tie it into you spoke about leon edwards a lot of decision wins, right? He's on the 10 fight unbeaten. I, I won't say it. I'll just say nine fight win streak, right? We'll just remove the Muhammad fight. Yeah. But a lot of those are by decision. I'd say seven or eight of them out of the nine, probably off the top of my head, if I had to guess. Um, but then you look at a guy like Vicente Luque, he's on a win streak and he can finish people. 
you know, and he has a strength of schedule too to back it up. So again, he kind of has the uh, all three of the puzzle pieces, as Noah said. Leon's got the win streak. He doesn't really have like the greatest strength of schedule. We kind of have discussed it before. He doesn't have the finishes. So, you know, it's just interesting. At the end of the day, it doesn't outweigh a win streak. Like, if Islam Makachev won nine in a row, but they're all be a decision, I mean, to a certain extent, you're showing me that you can go the distance a lot. I mean, that's kind of a good thing Mm is a certain aspect. Um, So it doesn't outweigh or have an equal weight as a win streak or the strength of schedule. But I think having a couple KOs, having some submissions, I think goes a long way, man. I mean, look at Charles Oliveira. Was on is on this crazy win streak and he's finished eight out of ten or something crazy like yeah. that and he didn't have like the craziest strength of schedule but he had the win streak and the impressiveness in which he did it man so that's true you know it, it just kind of depends on the fighter who it is what weight class it is who are they fighting um but yeah i like that you brought that into play on top of the discussion we've already had yeah so I, i'm gonna pull up some receipts here so we can yeah. compare leon edwards uh, coming off that loss to Usman, he had a unanimous decision win over Dominic Waters. Hey, nice Had name. a submission win over Albert Tumanov, who actually just uh, had a great performance at the triad combat fight. Uh, yeah, he was weekend. there. Uh, he looked fantastic, by the way. So submission win there. Decision win over Vicente Luque. Uh, decision win over Brian Barberena, who's going to be fighting, uh, looks like, this Saturday, even though yeah. Matt Brown pulled out. But uh, TKO'd Peter Sabota. That was the one that there was like one second left in the fight, too. Yeah. Decision went over Donald Cerrone. Decision went over Gunnar Nelson. Decision went over RDA. You had the no contest with Blau, but then the decision went over Nate Diaz. Yeah. So I've uh, look, there's some good names on there. I'm not going to act like it's like a terrible resume, but you know, it's just. I don't know. I don't want to start criticizing Leon. That's not really the point of this question. Right. Just, he has looked very impressive, but no doubt if like one or two of those Dominic was a TKO, mm-hmm. no question. Leon Edwards gets the title shot, probably mm-hmm. gets it before Colby Covington. Yeah. Well, I mean, imagine if he finishes RDA, you know, if like- he finished RDA or if he finished Gunnar Nelson or Donald Cerrone, no doubt, and then especially like if he did knock out Nate Diaz, yeah, yeah, come on. Which I'm not again, those are tough guys to put out, yes. You know, the Donald Cerrone when I was kind of before Cerrone kind of has now been on this streak of you know finished losses, but those aren't easy guys to put away by any means, and that, that's a factor as well. You know, you have to look at who you're fighting, yep. You know, if you're going up against Nate Diaz, you probably aren't going to finish him. You're going up against Jorge Masvidal, unless you're Usman, you're <laughs> yeah. probably not going to finish him. But now I'm going to go to Vicente Luque because he mentioned that. So he had that loss to Stephen Thompson at mm-hmm. UFC 244 back in 2019. Coming off of that, he TKO'd Dr. Stoppage Nico Price, got the knockout of Randy Brown, mm-hmm. submitted Tyron Woodley, and submitted Michael Chiesa. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's- yeah, you know that's that's Michael the Michael Chiesa win for Luke. That was about big. on. That's about on par with an RDA win for yeah, yeah for uh, Leon Leon Edwards. <laughs> um, it's just I don't know. It's 
I will say that even when I put this on here, I was kind of like, I, I want to be able to give like a clear yes or no. You know, I don't want to be wishy-washy. I don't want to go, well, it depends on who you're fighting. I mean, it does, but ultimately, how much does it matter? I think it matters quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Because it, ultimately, if you keep winning, you'll get a title shot eventually. Yeah. Leon Edwards will eventually, if he keeps winning, <laughs> get a title shot. If yeah. he hasn't gotten it, if he <laughs> is not next, he will win another fight, or if he does win another fight, he'll probably get it after that or something. Yeah. But just look at, you know, Justin Gaethje is not, it's not just the strength of schedule, but I mean, he's, he's putting these guys away. Mm-hmm. You know, the Michael Chandler fight went to a decision, but I mean, that's an all time fight. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess in a way that one, you do have to kind of look more into it, but it's, uh, man, I feel like I'm kind of going, kind of scatterbrained here it's just i think it does matter because look at some of these guys who haven't gotten title shots but we thought we're next carlos barza compared to zhang wei li yeah askar askarov compared to davison figueredo yeah you know it's the ufc is always going to be reluctant or hesitant to give decision heavy fighters the bill because they don't want boring fights. Right. And typically not always the case decisions can sometimes be the more boring fights on a card. Mm-hmm. Not always the case, not even close to always being. Yes. Yeah. I mean, our fight of the year category at the Joey's is going to be all decisions. Yeah. At least probably. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's not, foolproof but that's that's the reality yeah if leon edwards had finished every one of those guys along the way he would have already fought for a belt so you can't say it doesn't matter if you can do that but like if vicente luque had won every fight by decision i don't think he would even be in the discussion with leon edwards yeah yeah leon would have the more wins we would just go uh well Leon does have a win over Vicente. It's because Vicente's going in there and finishing his opponents. Right. Leaving no doubt, you know, that kind of thing. So, man, it's interesting. It it was very interesting, though. Like, right away, you kind of started looking at it like a third of the pie. Yeah. You know, it's like you have a pie chart. What are the percentages, you know? So, once you started doing that, I was like, huh, is it? I'm like, maybe it is that. Maybe it should be on the same level of a strength of schedule and i guess a streak yeah it's i mean it's it's close to being right there with those two and like you said it can that it can almost be looked at as like okay well if this guy's on a five fight win streak this guy's on a five fight win streak they both have pretty good opponents which one are we going to take uh let's see which one has more finishes you know it could maybe be like the deciding factor sometimes but not the like it's not the number one off the bat, but it can end up being kind of a key factor at the same time. I mean, I think I can say this. I don't know if I can say it for certain, but I don't think there's ever been a fighter who's gotten a title shot without having at least one of those three things. Oh, oh yeah, undoubtedly, for sure. Which maybe that is an obvious thing, but it's just... Except for people that get, like, an immediate rematch, but that doesn't count, because, like... Well, the strength of schedule would usually be yeah, true. on their side. That's true. 
So like just gotta Gaethje, check one of the boxes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if Justin Gaethje was a decision heavy fighter, he still has the strength schedule. Yeah. Leon Edwards has the win streak. And I think there's a debate. I personally don't think the strength of schedule, I wouldn't necessarily check that off. Yeah. And then he's not finishing fighters. So it's, he has one. One is all it takes, really. But, right. Um, you know, some of those guys, Vicente Luque finishes guys and he's on a win streak, even if it's less than Leon's. Like, I don't know. There's so many intervals. There's so many rabbit holes you could go down with this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I almost wonder if there's like a maybe we're maybe we're close to cracking some sort a of code formula, you know, like a just a formula for like if you put this in and it comes out like a certain percentage. Yeah. It's like, oh, that guy doesn't earn a title shot yet right. based off of the <laughs> the math. Would you look into it, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> Number eight. Hopefully that answer wasn't too scattered. I feel like it was. I think but. it was a very good discussion. <clears throat> so, Dominic, I'm going to give you the keys to the DeLorean. And you're going to go back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I give you the keys to that DeLorean, you're going to drive it. Okay? Yeah. But there is a purpose for this. You are going to go back in time. Yes. And if you could do so, what is one combat sports card or fight you would want to experience live? I did combat sports because MMA has only been around since 93. Boxing, you know, you go back much further. Well, I'm going to stick with MMA. I have a feeling you might dabble into boxing, which is fine. You're the more of the boxing connoisseur. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you steal the show. But I might shock you with what I am going to pick. Maybe not, though. No, I'm going back to the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 finale. Because when I look back on that event and the fight between Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner, that's why we're here today, Noah. That's why we're sitting in front of the cameras. People are looking at our handsome faces, listening to our voices. Because of that fight right there. That fight put the UFC on the map to not only the casual audience, but the, just the United States domestically in general caused a boom for the UFC and mixed martial arts to explode and become to where now it's nearly almost maybe even depending on how you look at it, a mainstream sport, depending on who you're going to ask. So that fight, I would love to be there in person to witness that man. I have it on a DVD set. Uh, it's on obviously all the fight passes. It's one of the greatest fights uh, in the history of MMA and obviously of the UFC and looking back, knowing how important it was, I would love to be sitting there like we were at UFC. Damn it, I always turn the wrong way. At UFC 203, would love to be there. At the, I think it was at the MGM Grand. So it was at the smaller venue too. Not a lot of people. I would feel so selective, so exclusive. Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner, The Ultimate Fighter, Season 1 finale. No, I'd have to be there. Are you sure it was at the MGM Grand? It was at one of those little ones. Maybe it was at the Palms. It was at one Hold of the on. small. I'm going to look it up casinos. just because there's a reason why I'm looking this up. So when I, I saw this, madness. well, I saw this discussion being had and um, that's where I got the question from. But um, let's see. It was in the Cox Pavilion. Oh, so even smaller. Then. Oh, yeah. Because I remember watching it because I watched it over the summer and I was like, yeah. man, this is tiny. Yeah. So 
what was interesting is a lot of the discussion I saw about this question on Reddit, the majority of people were siding on, like, a lot of people would have not went with what your choice was because of how small the venue was, <laughs> how small of a card it was in general. Yeah. Yes, obviously, it's a huge day in the history of MMA. But, like, if you're going back in history, I guess a lot of these people, they were like, I want to go back to this card that was in a massive crowd. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. But that is a factor. You know, you want to go back and watch a fantastic fight. You don't yeah. just want to go and see some, you know, BS. Yeah. Quick knockout or something. At least probably not. Oh, man. I mean. Are you going boxing, Noah? I don't know. I don't know. I wanted to have the option too because again, there's more history there. I think going Muhammad Ali, one of his fights back in the day, would have been something special because you do get that. Like, um, I guess his fight with Sonny Liston, maybe like you, you get the crowd, the audience, and you get a good fight. I mean, UFC one is a yeah is an interesting one too. Yeah. Just to be a fly on the wall or to be I know, like, man. just to be in the crowd to see how people were acting. Reacting. 100%. Oh, God. For what it's worth, my notable like mention or number two was UFC 217 in Madison Square Garden. So three new champions, incredible so, fights. Finishes. Yeah, okay. So I, I guess, um, yeah, I guess that would be a fantastic one. I guess for me, I'm looking at one. I wanted to go to something where I wasn't either alive for or I wasn't like, like present in, or yeah. like I wasn't really into the sport at the time. But 217, I mean, uh, talk about getting fantastic fights. I mean, yeah, that one checks all the boxes. I mean, shit, if we're doing that, I might want to go to UFC 268. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you uh, obviously got like UFC 100, a massive card, big, big things. I wouldn't pick UFC 200. <laughs> no. no, UFC 189. That's Connor Mendez yeah. and uh, Lawler McDonald too. Yeah, that's a fantastic card. <laughs> um, I wish I could think of more boxing cards off the top of my head because I do love the idea of just sitting front row like a '90s boxing fight. Yeah, you know? I would. I want to say, you know what? The first, the first. Um, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson fight. That that one probably would be it. It's okay. a great fight. Evander Holyfield gets the win. Obviously, the rematch. Mike Tyson bites the ear. What? Okay, I was about to ask when that happened. So that yeah, was the rematch. The second one. Yeah. So their first fight. That would probably be it. There's so many just great things to like, you know, think about. I mean, we got to see a pretty cool card in Cleveland, but I'm trying to think of like we uh, we were somewhat kind of close to going to the one that was in Detroit when Max Holloway defended his belt and uh, Francis Ngannou knocked out Overeem. That was in Detroit. Oh, yeah. We did talk about that. I forgot about that. So, we should have went to that. In I think the only reason we didn't was because it happened when like Christmas Christmas break started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that would make sense. So there's a regret that me and Noah have. <laughs> there you go, guys. Because <laughs> we might never get to go to an event again. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, it's... uh. There's a lot of good ones. And you know what's weird is there's not like a ton of like in the course of MMA history. 
there's not like a ton that I go to. Is that weird? Like, there's been a lot of huge cards, a lot, but there's a, a lot of them I, that I've seen. I feel just like I don't feel like I would have gotten anything more out of being there in person. Yeah. But out of the cards I haven't seen, I mean, maybe Weidman knocking out Anderson Silva. Uh, hey, now. I, I knew you weren't going to like that one, but uh, UFC oh. 100. Yeah. What about like watching Silva Sun in the first fight? That would be sick. Yeah, I don't remember be... the rest of that card. Well, that first that card I remember was really good. I just don't remember. What's I think on we've it. talked about the card itself before yeah. too. Lesnar Carwin. Yeah, that card was really good. God, there's a good one. There's some good ones. And oh, even we're know. not even like I mean, there's fight nights too. That would be cool. It's just harder to remember those, you know. But I'm not in this question. I would not <laughs> answer with the fight night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Dominic, you make me laugh. Uh, Number nine. I like this question, though. We're looking ahead to 2022. This That's might even right. be a. This might even be something that we'll talk about again in the future. Who knows? But Dominic, right here, right now, most of 2021's wrapped up. We got a few weeks. Obviously, we got like three cards left. But as far as the fights that we that we know we're gonna get by the end of the year are done. Yeah. No more fights are probably gonna be added to this year. And we know a few of the new year, a couple. Yeah. So right now as you look in 2022, I want you to give me three fights that you have to see in 2022. Can we go one by one? Back and forth? Yep. Okay. I'm gonna start with one that's likely gonna happen, but hasn't been confirmed. But I think it's just too obvious at this point Covington Masvidal I think we see them do the new season of the ultimate fighter which has been confirmed to happen I forget what the weight classes are though but they are doing it I think uh, they're gonna heavyweight and then and women's strawweight or women's flyweight yeah, whatever it is they are doing another season though and I know a lot of people weren't big on it but whatever I think they're gonna be the coaches and I think we're gonna get a big card uh, surrounded by those two as well. So I got to go first and foremost, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, the rivalry of all rivalries. I love that. Francis Ngannou versus Surreal Gan as the champion versus champion, whatever. It's, uh, Francis Ngannou is the champion. But that fight is going to tell me so much about how I evaluate heavyweight fights moving forward. Yeah. You have the most technically advanced heavyweight maybe we have ever seen and Surreal Gone. Mm-hmm. But it may not fucking matter. Be enough. Because <laughs> he's going up against the wrecking ball that is Francis Ngannou. So that fight's just going to... I'm so excited for it because I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. Do we get somewhat similar to Gone versus Lewis? I don't know. For all, I mean, Francis Ngannou is just going to, if he starts throwing haymakers, if one of them lands, I mean, Gon might be done. Yeah, it's true. And to me, all the signs, like if you go off of really all the variables, Gon should be the favorite, but at heavyweight, it just, you don't know. You just don't know what's going to happen. So I'm so excited for that fight. I have no idea what to expect. I know, I'm, man. I'm going to have such a hard time. Picking a winner of that fight—it's that fight is the most excited I've been for a heavyweight fight since Stipe DC three, and probably yeah. the most excited before that I've ever been. Yeah, that's a big fight, man. Um, 
I am going to, I'm going to dabble outside of UFC Ooh. for a second. Uh, one that we've already discussed and I'm not saying it's going to be the next fight for each individual, but no, in 2022, <laughs> I want to see Mrs. or Miss Kayla Harrison take on Chris Cyborg. I do. I want to see it next year, but it can be later because yeah. I'm with you. You know how I am about this. I do want to see Kayla be tested fight one or two times against some ranked fighters in Bellator, prove she can not only beat them, but make featherweight comfortably because we know she's a lightweight. So that's a whole other factor that I think a lot of people are forgetting. I know she's fought at featherweight one other time in Invicta, but like, it's not easy, people. So she's going to have to make some adjustments with her life. So, But 2022, maybe the end of the year, Chris Cyborg, Kayla Harrison in Bellator. I want to see that fight for the title, preferably. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to tell if it'll be for the title or not. Yeah. For some of these, like this one I'm about to do, Peter Yan versus TJ Dillashaw. I was gonna say that in my number three, but okay. Yeah. So that's I love like that. the 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 past or whatever of the bantamweight division against the present and future, uh, two of the most well-rounded bantamweights of all time. Yeah. Um, that's that's the fight at that division for next year for me. Let me look. Let me look. Let me look. You want me to go ahead and give my third one? Go ahead and give your third. I'm I'm still looking. So this one might this one might come back to bite me in the ass, Dominic. But I'm <laughs> going to go ahead and say it. I want to see Kamaru Usman defend his welterweight title against Hamzat Chimaev next year. Oh shit! Now, obviously that that should not be the next fight for either guy. But I'm hoping that both stay active enough next year to where that becomes a realistic possibility oh, yeah. oh, and obviously if Hamzat gets booked with like a Gilbert Burns or someone Vicente Luque whoever not an easy fight he might get smashed and maybe I'm he's gonna turn into a Johnny Walker but I really don't think so guys I, I really think he's the real he's, deal and I yeah I think uh him versus Usman's gonna be a huge yeah huge fight that's a big fight man um I just had it wait why did I forget hold on because I caught you off guard with that Hamzat Chimaev, didn't I? Wait, what the hell? I literally just had it in my head. Hold on. Keep talking about Hamzat. Oh my gosh. It was literally just there. Yeah, and I, then I started guard, thinking about I? Hamzat fighting. Yeah, that's right. Because it's um, smash. Oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, I know it might not be like the most exciting, but it's one that I think just has to happen. And I think it actually might be the best of the three fights. Alexander Volkanovsky. Max Holloway part three. I think we just need to get it over with. Let's put it to bed. Maybe it might not be put to bed. We've discussed that before too, but you know, there's, there's, there's already a lot of fights that have been made. So I didn't want to go with any of those necessarily. There's some that you have to get real hypothetical and think of. So try to keep it realistic, but great fights at the same time. I'll go Volkanovsky Holloway three. Yeah, it's a great one. I mean, it, it's, it may, Bite us in the ass again, not because of like the same reason I said with Hamza, but because just maybe we don't get the answers we really need. The closure, and, and yeah, even though they're the two clear best featherweights, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, ah, uh, I don't know, Clash of the Titans, yeah. Number 10, hmm. last question. We just can't, we just got past Thanksgiving, and it's only right that I had a question regarding Thanksgiving on here. That's so, right, Dominic, I want you. To tell the audience, what does your ideal Thanksgiving plate look like? Actually, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here because I got to explain something. We're starting with turkey, obviously, right? 
It's the main yeah. dish. Oh, oh yeah, I, you're a ham guy, aren't you? Yeah, turkey. Anyways, sauce. okay. <laughs> so, at our household, or not at our household, we go to my grandpa's for Thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there, he's known to dabble with the uh, deep fryer, right? We deep fry mm-hmm. turkey every year. It's phenomenal. This the crispiness, the skin is just so much better than uh, in an oven. Baked. I would probably like that better. Yeah, you would. You would. You'll you'll come. Maybe next year we'll get you. But uh. <laughs> What we did this year, my grandpa is a huge proponent of air frying things. I don't know. It's kind of like taking the cooking world by storm lately where you put it in and you're essentially frying something, but you're not putting it in grease and everything. So it's like a healthier way to fry food, but it tastes nearly as good, if not better. Well, so this year at Thanksgiving, we did one deep fried turkey out in the oil, in the fryer, the heat, the fire, all that fun stuff, and one in the air fryer. Well, my grandpa has an air frying oven because obviously a turkey isn't going to fit in a normal air fryer that you plug <laughs> yeah, into the wall. I was it's an air that. frying <laughs> oven. So it's an oven that can do an air fry mode. It's weird. But again, he loved air frying so much he bought that oven for that reason. Anyway, so we do one and one and we compare. And Noah, the air fried turkey was better than the deep fried turkey. The skin and whatnot on the outside was not as crisp, but the meat on the inside was more tender moist juicy and it just had an all-around better taste so take that for what you will i just thought i'd share that with our community but we're going turkey we're going mashed potatoes and gravy we're going a roll preferably the hawaiian rolls by the way because they are the clear-cut best roll in the world what else did i have on my plate what i had on my plate the past two maybe three thanksgivings made by yours truly some buffalo chicken dip noah was on the plate (laughs) as well with some chips and yeah that's i'm trying to that was like my first plate i'm not big on stuffing and i'm not big on like the uh cranberry sauce type stuff and this year we unfortunately didn't have a green bean casserole or else that would have been on the plate so yeah that was kind of my plate this year pretty simple pretty plain but it allowed me to go back for like seconds thirds and some fourths as well yeah so i always have this interesting dilemma every year where we Thanksgiving day has always started. Me and my sister will go to my dad's Thanksgiving. Uh, this year it was my dad and his mom. Um, so there's less food. You know, it's more personal. It's just mm-hmm. us. It's just us four. Um, but then after that, we go to my mom's Thanksgiving where there's aunts, the big cousins, yeah. grandmas there, the whole family. So there's a lot more food and whatnot. But I do most of my eating at my desk because, I mean, why not? I'm eating already. Like, I'm, Yeah. So because of that, you know, my plates are always a little weird because there will be things that I know my dad will have that my mom won't. Mm-hmm. So I try to eat more of that there. So I'm just going to give you the ideal plate. Okay. I could have the best of both, you know. So ham is my meat of choice. I'm not a turkey guy. Let us know below. Ham or turkey? You have to let us know. Ham is made. Do I like it more than chicken? It's my one of my favorite meats. I mean, I do love a good ham. I ham shits on turkey. (laughs) Yeah, there's something about a good honey bait too. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going with ham, a lot of it, (laughs) and then. Where do I go next? Uh, mashed potatoes. Yes. No gravy. <gasps> no gravy. Gravy. What? Is, gravy is kind of shit, for being honest. 
Wow. I'm on a roller coaster no, of emotion. I, I just, okay, I don't think it's shit, but I said that just to kind of get you right. Okay. But um, I really don't eat gravy. All right. I just, All right. You know, it's to me, I've always said I love the flavor of mashed potatoes by That's itself. True. I had some last and night. While gravy tastes good, it's fine. I don't think it improves the flavor to me. Well, do you know what that tells me? Whoever's making your mashed potatoes, they are damn good, like top tier yeah. mashed potatoes. My mom makes good mashed potatoes. She uses a lot of salt, which mm. <laughs> <I> <laughs> that guess, helps. Uh, <laughs> um, my favorite side is not even a common one for a lot of people. I don't know if you've ever had. You ever had a corn casserole? Corn casserole? No. So it's it's so. it's a bit more on the sweeter side. So imagine a, a little bit of corn mm-hmm. in cornbread. Yeah. But um, the cornbread's like because cornbread by itself is not really as sweet either. Um, I do love cornbread though. I don't know the full recipe, but I know like it. It essentially it's almost like it's a good middle ground between the savory side and the sweet side so it's like it's not a dessert but it's almost like on your way to to right dessert right i don't know what goes into it but a corn casserole is i mean it is fantastic that sounds yummy i like that um i'll probably do some stuffing i actually didn't have stuffing this year my dad didn't have it my mom did but i was so full when i got to her house i didn't eat any of it yeah so I like a little stuffing. I'm more. I'm very much a stovetop person. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that's like blasphemous, but like, I think st- stuffing when when you get too high end stuffing, I think it just doesn't even taste like stuffing anymore. Yeah, just, I've always been hit or miss. Not on very it. good. Um, deviled eggs. Oh, oh, that's where you'll miss me. Oh my god. You'll. I'll. I'll skip that over. And I, I might have ate twenty deviled eggs this year. Okay. Right? Okay. And then. Pumpkin pie classic is the premier pie. My mom hates everything pumpkin. She hates pumpkin pie. Yeah. Pumpkin pie has always been my go-to. I love pumpkin flavored everything. I'm one of those white girls that loves pumpkin flavored stuff, but also a piece of pecan pie as well. Mm. See, we didn't even have a pie this year. Now that I think about it, we had some pumpkin cookies. That were good with icing, but no pumpkin pie. So my dad didn't do pie. My dad and my grandma, they didn't do pie. He did Buckeyes. Ooh. And they had um, graham cracker crumbs put into the batter. Ooh. So it was like a little crunch to it, you know? Ooh, with the peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah, oh. so it was really good. That's I, did, good. I didn't eat too many of them because um, my mom's house had all the pies. Yeah. Was pumpkin pie, pecan pie. Yeah, apple pie, um, peanut butter pie. Oh, that's yeah, peanut yeah. butter pie is fantastic. That's the go. Also, have you ever had um, shit? No, I can't think of words. Have I ever had shit? No, <laughs> but oh, what's it called? Banana, uh, banana pudding. Yes, we had banana pudding. I love that. So we got my, vanilla my wafers grandma, in it. My grandma's big with banana pudding, mm-hmm. that's been a staple. Yep. So I love that too. But I, I wanted to limit myself on the pie. Like, <laughs> right. Me, I sample it all. <laughs> but I'm trying to make myself sound like a little less fat here. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's go with that. That's probably the ideal plate. You know, two pieces of pie. You got a full plate there. Oh, yeah. Room for more. You know, 
Well, Noah, here's my question. This is what I wanted to ask. I saw this on an Instagram and Twitter poll, voted on both. Is macaroni and cheese a side offered at your Thanksgivings and or does it belong at the Thanksgiving dinner table, Noah, macaroni and cheese? It was not offered this year at either of mine. I, I can't remember if it ever has been, but... If anybody tries to tell me that macaroni and cheese doesn't belong at any time of the year, it's they on might, site. They might catch a smack. <laughs> okay, Stockton. Because macaroni and cheese is the best side that's ever been invented. So, like to mm. me, at the end of the day, it's good food. That's all that matters. Right. So mac right. and cheese, just because it might not have been with Squanto and the fucking Pilgrims, <laughs> right, doesn't mean that we can't eat it on Thanksgiving Day. I agree. Same with like baked beans. I love mm-hmm. some baked beans. Yeah. Don't think I've ever had them on Thanksgiving. True. But I sure as shit would eat them if they <laughs> had them. That's right. Deviled eggs aren't really a Thanksgiving thing. It's just something my family does. My dad or my grandma every year, my dad's mom, she makes a cheese ball. Peyton made one. My sister. Okay. Yeah. So she makes a really good cheese ball, had some pretzels and crackers. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But would I necessarily count? Was that a Thanksgiving dish? No, not typically. Right. Macaroni and cheese fits in. It could be game day mm. when you're doing buffalo chicken dip. Like, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if someone made just a big thing of mac and cheese, oh, I'm good. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't offered at our Thanksgiving. I don't know if it has been in the past. It probably has at one time or another, but I'm all for including it. At any holiday, Thanksgiving included. I will say I bet it's, if I'm thinking accurately, I bet it'll be more so served this Christmas. Yeah, that's we always usually do it for Christmas for sure. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that's it, Dominic. I think that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Reddit Roundtable. Damn, these short, are fun. Short episodes, they are not. No. That's because we have so much fun doing them. We could talk about this stuff for hours. We will be back on Friday, back to your regularly scheduled programming with another weekend preview for full versus Ntido. Yep. The main event everybody's been waiting for. Um, I'm really excited to talk about that card. There's a lot of good fights on there. Um, And Bellator. Hell no. Bellator as well. Maybe, just maybe, the biggest fight of the whole weekend Kyoji Horiguchi, Sergio Pettis. Uh, mm. Bellator's had it a few times. It's, this hey, year. it's very close. It's very close. I'm just going to say that when you look into it. Yeah. But uh, Dominic, until then, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Diesely14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact as we continue building this wonderful Joey community at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at ntbaker underscore. If you go to the link in my bio, it'll take you to a link tree, which will present you with a list of links to all the platforms. The podcast is on along with social media platforms. So that includes. But is not limited to. The Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel and Spotify, Google and Apple podcast. It's all on there. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out. Shout out to Anchor. First one, leaving a voice message. 
<laughs> let us know your thoughts. What was the question that was posed? Your five um, yes. entrants into the Hall of Fame. Who would be your alpha class of the UFC Hall of Fame? Yes. Um, what does your Thanksgiving plate look like? Yes. We, um, all the voice of, messages. So many voice messages that could be left. I mean, don't yes. be the reason we only get one. You know? I know. Y'all dropped the bomb or dropped the ball this week. We didn't have any. We're disappointed. <laughs> We're disappointed in you yeah. guys. Yeah. It's all right, though. We love you anyway. Yeah, we love you anyways. We just want to hear you. That's all. Yeah. Second thing, becoming a supporter of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so we would enjoy having your support. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's it. We're out, and we'll see y'all on Friday. Oh, damn, I'm hungry. Oh,